A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Josh Pugh's Cult Heroes, the podcast where I and co-host Connor Kent, hello Connor, Hello. wait a minute, I'll do, we're giving in a minute, uh, <laughs> chat to a, a guest we think are really interesting and we ask them questions about their life and achievements and career until they get sick of us and, and walk out. <laughs> no, it's very nice chats, isn't it mate, and how have you been Connor? Yeah, I've been really brilliant mate, Yeah, I've, I've just been away for my birthday. Oh mate, well firstly happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, and secondly, where did you go? went to um, Albufera in Been Portugal. there, mate. It's beautiful. New town, old town? Old, old, I was staying in the new town. You stayed in the new town? Lively. Walked walked to the old town. Yeah, the, the old town, you've got the square. Yeah. And you've got a couple, one street is quite lively, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, was, it was proper. Imagine you were up there, we were at one, one night. Yeah, d- ones and twos. <laughs> what is that? Is that does that mean so shoes now, or decks? I, I think it means I'm shoes no, and decks. I don't know, mate. I, felt, I sound like my dad. I've got to go... Yeah, big fish, little fish. Yeah, <laughs> that is such a like a dad reference. Isn't it? <laughs> big fish, little fish. Um, How are I'm, you, Josh? Good, mate. I went on a football tour once to Albufeira. Oh, really? It's one of these like, with like just my mates' team. We 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 paid to go. There was a guy like was showing us round, and we, we played this local team, and he was just an absolute bullshitter. This bloke. <laughs> it was late for all the all the matches. He was late, and he said, "Oh, what, what did he say?" He, he said something about. Um, he had to there's a, there's a trip before or something he had to pour Patrice Ever out of a burning car <laughs> like, what is this guy to but um, yeah it's good it's cool isn't it Albuquerque yeah it was really lovely yeah we had a nice time we um, had some really lovely like picturesque places that we you, went to you and the you good lady yeah yeah she it was her her treat actually I, yeah she treated you yeah she treated oh, well, on my nice, birthday yeah. and oh, obviously nice. you know when I was out there I felt obliged to pay for everything but um, <laughs> Yeah. So, Did you have um, a dish called a catapulana? No. It's a big um, fish stew, basically. It's incredible, and you get like basically loads of tools to get in all the shells and that. It's really, really tasty. Is that is that what you go for? If you were like by the coast, would you go for like a nice seafood? Yeah, we, we, we went there. That's mine yeah. and my now wife's first holiday. Was it? Yeah, we were there seven nights and we had six catapulanas. <laughs> That's the right way to do it. It, it was incredible. <laughs> and um, I arranged, because it was her birthday actually on the day we flew. Amazing. And we, we, I arranged, emailed the, the hotel to get flowers in the room and they'll yeah. put these big flowers in. And I thought oh, that was really nice. Then I went down to thank the personal reception. Like, oh yeah, that's. I said, oh, thanks for that. He said, yeah, that's a uh, seventy-five euro. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, mate. Just talking about that. Um, Em's <laughs> uh, birthday is much earlier on in the year, and for her birthday this year, just gone, we went to the Cotswolds. And uh, beforehand, I had emailed the B and B and just said, look, it's her birthday. Um, can you get like a nice bottle of bubbly, you know, cold, put it in the fridge and then when we're about to arrive, we'll get there about half three, just take it out, put it in the room. Yeah. Uh, and then a nice card saying, like, have a lovely time, enjoy your stay in the Cotswolds. Yeah. And uh, when I arrived, the lady said, oh, welcome so much. And she said to him, no, you get upstairs, you get upstairs. <laughs> and you, you, uh, uh, Kent, just call me Kent, because I, I assume that it says Kent Connor. Uh, she, she went, you come here, you come here. And then it sort of, M was just sort of halfway walking up the stairs thinking, what the hell's going on? Get upstairs. <laughs> and, and, and the woman was basically like, 
had a receipt for Tesco. She'd got Tesco finest Prosecco and uh, a card. And basically was asking me for £7.56 or whatever it was. Right. And wanted me to transfer it immediately. Wow. <laughs> we went upstairs and the... M's struggling with two cases. Uh, yeah, up exactly. there. Yeah. <laughs> M, M, M gets in and I'll go, I finally go up and join her. And uh, there's just a really hot bottle of Prosecco on, on the side. God's sake. <laughs> I, um, I, I did a gig once. Yeah. And um, it's a nice hotel. The hotel is with the gig. And like, um, I got this room and like, the real problem's checking in. It took me ages to check check in. And like, I could see they were like a bit sceptical. <laughs> I get to my room and I've got like the best room in the, the hotel. <laughs> I go in, there's a card on the bed saying, uh, two Rosie Jones. <laughs> I hope you have a great gig tonight. I was like, oh, I've replaced, you know, they thought Rosie Jones was coming. Who have we got on this week? We've got, uh, well, somebody, so we've got Emily Juniper on. Mm. who does so much as we'll get into we pinned her down on the look she's an artist yeah she, which is, is a term she's reluctant to use it's a term I'm reluctant to use about myself and, <laughs> and, and, and rightfully so in, in this case <laughs> but um, yeah she she's a wicked person mate and um, yeah yeah just dead interesting dead lovely I was just thinking you know we just spoke about like some holidays we've been on yeah and I always think like it's so nice to get away from the city yeah let's, let's hear about that yeah. Emily Juniper. Where, where are you based, Emily? Are you. I'm based in Falmouth in Cornwall. Nice. And the, the reason I ask that, not not just where, where do you live, because <laughs> <laughs> obviously you, you do lots of things that we'll, we'll get onto. Yeah. As an artist, how important is where you live? Oh, I th- environment, I think, is very important. A lot of it is about the people, I think, that you're surrounding yourself with. Um, <clears throat> and I just sort of happily, accidentally fell into this like nice little crowd in Falmouth where there's sort of weird people who don't <laughs> fit in the rest of the world and we're here in the toe of the foot of the end of nowhere, um, just sort of with a, with a little bit less crazy than when I was in London. And, and do you think your, your work has, has, has changed depending on where you live? Do you find yourself making different kinds of stuff depending on where you live in i think hugely and it might it might be as simple as the space so i can afford to have this ridiculous warehouse in cornwall Mm, yeah so i've got this sort of accidental hobby of buying old printing presses and um they're accumulating and i I doubt i'd be able to find the space (laughs) in, in a city um at the price i can which means that i can be kind of experimental and i can I can take my time and I can be like, wow, this Victorian printing press is in five different pieces and there must be a way to put it together and I can do yeah. that over years <laughs> rather than sort of like battling to, to yeah, have like totally. small yeah. little spaces. Where do you find the Victorian printing presses? Oh, there's like a wonderful community of okay. letterpress people. Yeah. Kind of like quite a lot of old men. <laughs> <laughs> and you make friends with them. Yeah. yeah. I, so I've, I've moved house recently and... I, on my street, I'm the only person who, who isn't retired. Oh, wow. wow. I, it's, I'm the only person working on the old bloody street. <laughs> but it's, um, but everybody's kind of, there's a guy opposite me. He invited me into his house. And, he, and now he's, he's always in the, the, the garage in his overalls doing stuff, tinkering with stuff. He's making a, a bird box at the minute with like interchangeable things depending on when it's breeding season or not breeding season. Nice. He took me into his house. He, he's got like a, He's painted an incredible mural on his kitchen wall. And I never, ever would have guessed that he could do something like that. Yeah. You, you would not... And then similarly what you're talking about and watching your... I've watched some of your... some Not your, but videos on on YouTube. It, you, you still need so many practical skills. Like I see with the, the Stanley knife and... It's, it's like a big DIY element to I what you do, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's, I feel like I've got this sort of interest that's this very sort of clear sphere and it's this dot, but actually inside it are many different kind of elements. And like bookbinding is essentially like really small woodwork, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I often approach DIY projects with this sort of erroneous idea that I'll be good at it because it's just really thick paper, right? Mm. Bit yeah. Of wood. yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I should be able to. Sort of manipulate that in the same way yeah. that I can manipulate paper. Not always, but that, that always shocks me with artists. With it's, it's such a, it's such a creative element. But then there's to actually produce to actually produce it. Like how how natural 
how naturally did that element of it come to you? Is that something you could always do or is it something you've... I, I'm not very good at doing multiple things at the same time. Hmm. So I think what I... Because I kind of... <clears throat> I started with bookbinding probably or like illustration and bookbinding and then letterpress. And I think what I liked was you have your concepts, conceptual idea, hmm. you're bouncing things around and it's all kind of like up in the air. And then at some point you have to fix it. And that's always the intimidating part of being an artist is going this is complete, this is finished. Yeah, yeah. And I think by turning that that fixing process into another kind of like laboured craft, mm. it gave me the excuse to be able to do it because I can be like, well, it has taken me time to set yeah. this type. So that's still a thing. Um, and it's sort of like, it makes sense of it for me so I can like shift out of that creative gear so I can stop trying to make changes at the last yeah, minute. Yeah, and be like, now I'm doing the physical thing. And yeah. that's kind of like soothing and calming. Where does where does that love of doing things with your hands and being really hands-on and DIY come from? It might be as simple as from my dad. Yeah. Like my dad's a big DIYer. Um and I think it was kind of his love language. I remember there was a point at like university or just after university and I broke up with someone as you know, you have these big relationships. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. And my friend came into my room and she went, "Oh, I don't know what your dad's going to do this time. There's there's nowhere else to put a shelf because <laughs> <laughs> that would be like how he would communicate." Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an act of, yeah. Let me let me do something for you. you. Do a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that there's an appreciation. But of also, what like, that does give you, it gives you a, a, a literal physical reminder of every breakup you've ever had. <laughs> I'm not sure how, how helpful that is. <laughs> yeah, that is true, actually. I moved house quite a lot when I moved house. <laughs> There's something, I think, really romantic in, in that uh, the physical craft of creating something, isn't it? And do you really see that as, as that process of, you know, illustrating something or designing something and then physically building it with your hands um, and then seeing it as that end product? Is, is that like a really sort of like a labour of love for you? Oh, 100%. It's... it's it's putting like you're all into something at every stage. Hmm. It's, it's really, really nice. And there's always something to learn. And there's always, there's always a way you can do it better. Yeah. There's always a way you can find a new tool, yeah. better set square yeah. or something. And you're like, wow, this will really up my corners. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, I suppose it's similar with, with like musicians and stuff. And Joe, Joe and Omar, producer Joe. But it's one thing creating a song and having an idea for a song. But then there's still creative element within the production and that's part of the creative process as well, isn't it? It's actually executing, you know, the, com- the composition or whatever. You don't really have that in, in stand-up. You kind of, you, 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 kind of you, you write the stuff and you, you, you do the stuff. Unless you film it and but you, you do stuff. But you hone it, don't you? You kind of yeah. like you write the stuff, then you try it out and then you go, oh, this, this worked, this didn't. And then you yeah. sort of like, there is, that's still crafting. Yeah, something. it is. And it's never really, but you never end up with a physical... No. finished thing which is it's good and bad unless you film it obviously and all that stuff yeah um but I, th- I find it interesting so with with what you do emily so what, it's quite easy as, as a comedian you're walking around and you, you you live through the lens of i can make that funny i can make that funny do you reckon you have that prism on kind of all the yeah, time yeah constantly yeah, yeah yeah um do you think you have that with visual art do you kind of think that's that's a picture that's i think i have phases where I've really got my eye in and I'm yeah. like oh that's composition oh that's beautiful oh that's ugly you know like that my eyes are, are doing a lot of the work but then there'll be some phases when I'm just I'm hearing word I'm like I'm more like a word magpie and I'm hearing that sort of thing and that's what I'm collecting it will be sort of like different pockets of passion and it will it will jump around a bit so it's mm. not as consistent as that yeah interesting do you have sort of like a notebook of just sort of like these words that sort of stick out to you or these like you know, pictures or, or things that you've seen that you might want to incorporate or designs that you want to incorporate? I would love to be the sort of person sure. who had this, like, <laughs> consistent way of curating ideas. Yeah. Um, but my brain and time and always having a pen in my bag doesn't necessarily line up. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I have hundreds of notebooks. I, I run bookbinding workshops occasionally with groups of students, so I'll often get to a point of demo and then I'll have to demo another bit and so I have these kind of an array of half-finished <laughs> notebooks, which within themselves contain an array of half-finished ideas yeah. mm. or moments. And occasionally you have time in your life to kind of flick through and go, oh, that was quite a good idea, actually. Maybe I could do something with that. But then- It's almost like, yeah. um, 
you know, at school you have a, a textbook and a, a workbook. You have a book to work it, work out in, and mm. you take. It's almost that, isn't it? You, you kind of you're just helping your brain. You're just rewarding your brain for having an idea. I think I'll I'll do something there. That's, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Putting it like rewarding your brain. Yeah, for having, thanks for having that idea. I'll, yeah, I'll write well it. done. <laughs> but now we've written it down, we might forget that. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Can you remember the, the first thing you ever drew, or the first thing that really caught your eye and what ignited your passion for for illustration? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> no, <laughs> <laughs> but there are my my parents have on their wall these two pictures I did of my grandparents when I was very young. I'm not mm. sure how how old, but they, they aren't, um, you know, terribly good. Yeah. But I definitely, I think I enjoyed, I think I was quite quiet yeah. and I was like an observer. So I would like, people would be talking and I would just be kind of sketching. Yeah. And so th- th- that's, that's definitely a moment where I was, you know, I'm drawing things rather than talking. Mm. Well, can you remember your first picture, Connor, what you draw when you were... A youngster i i think maybe similarly my great granddad lived in lincoln and we would we lived in kent yeah and we would travel up for summers and visit the family in lincoln and i remember he would always he was a he was a world war ii veteran but he was also an artist and he was a really brilliant artist as well and uh, he would always try and get me and my brothers into into some form of art and i remember him saying oh, i want you to draw this and it was a picture of a cowboy and I remember on the journey on the way home with a, one of the, you know, the Guinness Book of World Record books on my lap, and I was trying to recreate from memory the picture of the the wow. cowboy drawing. That's amazing. <clears throat> and it was a really, yeah, I was probably about eleven years old, and uh, I sent it to him. And then the next time we visited, it was up on the wall, wow. framed. Yeah, uh, so first, that's first probably commission. my first proper first commission as yeah. well. Frank, yeah. yeah. you've gone straight to frame. I didn't, didn't get any money for it, but the um, <laughs> some of my nieces and nephews they. Is it Rick? Isn't it, I think his name's Rick on YouTube. He, he teaches you how to draw, and you follow along. And the the end product is brilliant, but I'm not sure how I feel about it. Okay. I'm not sure if it's actually drawing. What is this like <laughs> when the drawing at the start looks like it might be something naughty, and then you? No, no. So the kind of it, it takes you through. Do this line there. Do this line there. There's okay. no. It's not. No, no one's doing what you're doing by memory. Doing it is kind of. Okay. It's almost like doing a. It's like doing a flat pack. Oh, like this is how you draw a horse. And yeah, it's like step one, the line for the back, and then step yeah. six is put some nose hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry, <laughs> that's that's a leap from step one to six. <laughs> two, two, three, and four, five are very complicated. <laughs> how do you feel about that? I mean, is that would you just did you just draw freehand from the start, or did you learn? Is there <clears> skills you can learn? Um, I've always you can always learn any skill. Yeah, I think. Um, I my approach to drawing now is very like laboured. I, I might spend like a day researching and preparing and looking at images and then drawing things out and then hating them and then drawing things out and then yeah. hating them and then doing that for quite a while <laughs> until yeah. I get something kind of like accidentally that I like. Mm-hmm. Because often, like especially if you're trying to capture a face or an expression. It can be so small, the difference in the position of the eye or the mouth or the, something. And it sometimes it will just look right. <clears throat> and sometimes it will be a disaster. Yeah. How does that, how does that work when you're um, working with someone that's like commissioned you to help them create something? And their expectations or where they want it, something to be is somewhere and yours are somewhere else. And where do, where do those two points meet? I think it, it's always about working with someone who's sort of sympathetic mm. to your style and you're sympathetic to what they want mm-hmm. and there's that kind of like magic chemistry that sometimes mm. works and sometimes it just doesn't work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can often i can often i've got better at listening to my instinct and being sure. like mm, no i don't think we're going to yeah. m- to match sure. yeah what, what yeah, yeah. The, what you've got in mind isn't yeah. What I've got in mind. Because I think if you're if you're fighting to create something that matches some if you're like shoehorning something, mm. you aren't gonna enjoy doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there a common thing across everything you do? I've you do loads, you do binding and illustration and is there a com is there a common thing which people people would see mm. the I think what's really interesting often I know lots of illustrators 
And I think we all think that we change our style every time we approach a project. Mm, yeah. We all think that we're like yeah. newly engaging with some brand new sort of revolution of our work. <laughs> but you can always tell. Yeah. Mm. You can absolutely always tell a through line of someone's mm. work. And I think it's probably fairly inarticulable. Right, just okay. like that word is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did, but you'd see it in nobody. You can't necessarily. It's not necessarily. Like, I would say, like the illustrations I've just done for this book, I'm doing. It's just gone to print. I'm like, these are radically new. <laughs> this is such a departure for me. <laughs> and I think you can easily tell. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. mine. And this, I mean, part of it, I think, is about what you choose to work with. Yeah. And so, and there's something as simple as with the paper you choose to draw on and the angle of the desk that you choose to draw on. Yeah. And I really like working with, to make it difficult for myself, rather than a black fine point pen, I like working with a tiny little brush and some Japanese ink. So there's, there's something there in that tiny decision yeah. mm. about that mark. Yeah, sure. Which means that <clears throat> whatever I do, it's kind of fairly simple. This feels like, a, like a, a handmade element to everything you do. I can't imagine you doing stuff on an iPad and... I've just got an iPad. Okay. No, that's not true. <laughs> I got an iPad about six months ago and I and I have done maybe a drawing on it. Yeah, okay. Is it doesn't quite work for me. Mm. And, I, and I think it's... I love stuff. I love things. Mm. And I love making a mess. And it's so clean and it's so tidy. Yeah. I am... Um, just when you said this, the type of paper that you're working on, is it a big question to ask how many different types of paper are there? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big question. Is it? I mean, incalculable. Really? I, I am someone who, like, paper mills go out of production and different types of stocks of paper okay. become unobtainable. Really? And I am someone who's bought all of a kind of paper because it was out of production and yeah. I knew I liked it. Yeah. But I care. And I'm someone who's spent probably over 20 pounds on a single sheet of vintage paper because it wow. would be impossible to sort of emulate that now like i, re- I really care about paper yeah, that's amazing if you had to if bailiffs come in to your studio <laughs> and uh, you can only keep three things to work with going forward what, what would you what would, what would you keep Three things. Yeah, the iPad, that can go straight away. <clears throat> yeah, iPad, do not give a shit. Computer, <laughs> go on, do, do not give a shit. Okay, yeah, there's um, there's a stack of uh, paper for, that's out of print, um, out of production, um, which I would I would take. Yeah, keep that. That's easy. It's like this, <clears throat> sort of like it's mildly translucent, supposed to look a bit like vellum. Oh. And it's really beautiful. And I recently let a friend do some screen prints on it because... Wow. I liked her work. <laughs> sure. But I kept some back for myself because <laughs> you never know yeah. when you're going to need that. Um, and then I have, I've got a tiny pencil, which <laughs> sounds silly, <laughs> but uh, I have it on my desk always. It's, it was my uh, grandfather, my dad's site, was in a prisoner of war camp and he was friends with someone who then set up a... Um, it's like a fruit and vegetable. Green gross. Thank you. Yeah. Green grocers. Thank you, uh, producer James. <laughs> um, and it's his green grocer advertising pencil. Wow. Oh, amazing. Yeah, that's cool. And I, like I just that. love that it's this, you know, my grandfather obviously had it as a mark mm. of, you know, their friendship and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's so much history in this little object. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So that would stick, say, with me. Amazing. Third thing. Probably be another sheet of paper. Yeah. <laughs> it would probably be I got this artist called Gemma Lewis to do some special marbling for a project that I did and she did like more more sheets than I needed for this particular binding and, I, mm-hmm. and I've and i kept them and then never used them because they're so beautiful wow. I got her to do these kind of shapes that look a bit like porcupine spikes because it was for a book that was about a porcupine so maybe that those yeah, two, pa- right, two yeah. bits of paper and a pencil <laughs> I don't, I don't now know on many, your way you're, you're, you're brute I don't know many other people whose answer would be two pieces of paper and a pencil yeah you know? <laughs> my brother would probably say something like I'll keep my PS5 the TV <laughs> <laughs> book binding 
I feel like it's a, quite a niche area to work in. Yeah, I, I, that, <clears throat> it was quite a sort of accidental um, stumble. I think I, I started writing plays and then I was like, well, how can I write and earn a bit of money? So I started writing stories for people on commission mm-hmm. and then they, one of the first people were like, can you turn it into a book? Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll print it out and then I'll cut it up and I'll stick it into it. No, that doesn't look very good. <laughs> um, so I took a few books apart mm. and, I was, and I had a go at sort of putting them together and they were pretty dreadful. And at the time I was um, a receptionist near St Paul's by Fleet Street mm. and like one of the print shops along that road, there was an old school bookbinder who was upstairs kind of like squirrelling away. And I was like, how do you put the, you know, the letters on the cloth cover? And he was like, show me what, show me what you've done. I was using Letraset. Um, and he was, he was so sort of disappointed <laughs> and like, what is this? What have you done? Have you, did you use Mull? And I'm like, I don't know. What's Mull? <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> and there was something about wanting to impress him mm. that made me kind of look up more and try a bit harder and get some tools and get some mull, yeah. obviously. What's mull? So you... When Do you, you not s- know? No, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> no, Josh, if, you, if you'd like I'll, to... I'll let him leave. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Are you sure? Yeah, no, you take it. I'm okay, yeah. Because <laughs> you told me, but obviously yeah, yeah. um, yeah. I from you. Um, when you sew the signatures of a book together, you don't want the just the thread and the glue to be holding the paper together because otherwise it won't be flexible and long-lasting. So you strengthen it with this sort of starched cloth mull. Okay. Yeah. I find it interesting, even... So you're, you're so... Um, you know, you buy old printing presses and you're keeping that pencil when the bailiffs come in. Yeah. Even your skill set is something from the olden days. You know, I'm not good with the modern world. Yeah, even <laughs> even the thing you do is something that would need to be passed on. Yeah, mm. well, I mean, and that's that's what's quite nice about it is like the the friendships and the people that you meet along the way, and and the sort of peculiarity peculiarity of it. I'm not always as appreciative of that. <clears throat> Recently, I wore out a bolt on one of on my treadle press. Um, I was printing too too quickly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh. you've done the same before, haven't you? On your <laughs> oh, I'm always at it, mate. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so I sort of sheared the th- the screwy bit, the, on thread, the bolt, the thread, the thread yeah, guys. Yeah. I'm pregnant, so it's okay when I <laughs> forget words. I'm not an idiot, um, <clears throat> and but I am an idiot because, like, I just went to screw fix with my bolt, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, can I have one of these?" And this poor girl behind the counter was like going through a catalogue, and she was like, well, "I don't think we have any of this." And there was a man behind me in the queue, and he was like, "Oh my god, can I look at that?" I was like, "What this?" And he was like, oh, "This is a blah 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 from the blah 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 foundry." And I was like, "How can you possibly tell what yeah, foundry well, no. this bolt is from?" And he was like, "By the depth of the head of the shape." And I was like, "Jeez, I hadn't appreciated how yeah, how no. sort of weird this was." And he was like, "This must be." Very old. And I was like, yeah. How amazing that that guy was in Screwfix at the same time. I know. Time. Yeah, what, what was he getting? He was just yeah. getting some, uh, <laughs> some nails, some, some yeah. emotion. <laughs> but he was so excited. And I was like, I love that. There's this sort of like, all, everyone has a completely weird niche interest. Yeah, yeah. And then he sent me off to a like marine engineer and they were able to help me out. Did you make any concession to the to the modern way of... You've got email, haven't you? You're on email. You need to get email. I'm at one point last year. I had thirty-two over thirty-two thousand unread emails. Wow! Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I do have email, but I'm not brilliant at it. Yeah, that's so interesting. So your 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 studio. I mean, so what what's a day? You say if you've not got a commission on, if you, you just want to have a day being creative, which is you, so rare. But yeah. yeah, but you, dream day. Do you just do you, so, so you'd, you'd get up and what would you go straight to the studio or would you kind of? I, I would. It's it's bloody idyllic actually. I would drive. It's about sort of fifteen minutes away from where I live. I would stop halfway around this like beautiful woodland and I would walk my dog and I would look at nature <laughs> and I would be like, yes, leaf. That is a good form. I will remember that. <laughs> um, and then I would go to the studio and if it's a sunny day. 
<clears throat> it's an old brewery space. It's got these massive big doors. Mm. So I'd open the double doors. Um, and then I would probably play with my type if I had no commission, which is a sort of endless job. Because all, all of the letterpress stuff I have, mm. kind of like the little type, type stuff, most of it was donated to me by the university because they weren't using it anymore. Mm. So it wasn't sorted. <laughs> so you these, imagine these like eight-point tiny letters and you have to have them in all their sorts. And it's like this labour of love job. But I, I also kind of like, I like the organising. Mm. Yeah, when I was so. little, my brother wouldn't let me build things with Lego. <laughs> but I was allowed to put the Lego into colours and size categories. Mm. So it's sort of like, I've been trained to be really good at sorting type. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why that is. I wonder if you're doing that because it's then easier to work, yeah, then, then easier exactly. for your brain to create something if yeah. you've got all your bits and, yeah. And then I've got a proofing press, which is a, a flatbed press. So rather than like any of the kind of the treadle ones, which are kind of platen, so you have to, there's a certain level of skill that you have to employ, which you should employ also with a proofing press, but it's less important. And then you can be a bit gung-ho and yeah. you can experiment and print some stuff. So you'd literally just be in your place, just printing. Yeah. That's, that's a, so nice, that's isn't great, it? Isn't it? That sounds like such a lovely life. I mean, I, I reckon, I was chatting to someone recently about this, like, how, how what percentage of your time do you manage to spend doing the, the bit that you actually love? Mm. And then how you can make this job for yourself that still involves filling out spreadsheets for, oh, for yeah. so much. I, I, yeah. We're joking, but every job is, it's core emails. Yeah. yeah. Every, every job is it's core emails. Yeah. I, and going back to the, like you're being obviously practical with your hands and stuff, the, the crossover of skills you need, like, I know a guy who, um, he's like an engineer, B, BT engineer, so he's like electrical, but then he also needs to be able to abseil. <laughs> yeah, of course, because they get up. Yeah, they, it's, they, it's such a bizarre cross section of skills yeah. that you need to have to, to do these things. Yeah, you, you said um, the amount of jobs you have to do to get to the part of the job that you love. Yeah, do you, do you think that that love ends up spreading into those pre jobs? No, they're well? awful. They're always awful. <laughs> <laughs> do you not like enjoy the bit that is? Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I, 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 I once when you've made the spreadsheet, do mm. what you want the spreadsheet to do. When it captures that information yeah. so perfectly, that there is a joy, isn't yeah. there? And also, any, any artist, you know, <laughs> you've got to. There has to be a commercial. It's got to be commercially viable if it, if it's your living and you're, you know, you're dependent on it. And there's how many things are you doing in a week, which are just for you? Yeah, it's yeah. It, <clears throat> I, I remember when I was at like college, I think. Uh, Lem Sisse, who was a poet, came and did like a talk and read some poems. And I was like, oh yeah, words, writing. I like words and writing. Um, and there was a Q&A afterwards and I was like, um, do, uh, if you, when you write, it's just for you. Like, is that, am I still a writer? And he looked with this like blank expression and he was like, I, I don't know what you mean. And I, and I felt sort of, sort of quashed because I was like, oh no, if I don't want an audience, I must not want to do this. Mm. Because I, I think there's definitely a part of me that will do work that is just for me. And it, and it will take mm. so much energy to, to push that out in front of public, which is why it's nice work, like collaborating with other people. Yeah, that's, stuff. that's <laughs> interesting, isn't it? That, that's, I wonder what that is. Because you've, you've done plays and stuff, and that's, that's an exhibition of yeah. your, your writing. How, how yeah. do you feel when, when that's going out? Is it a different feeling to a, a book going out or... It's amazing how many ways you can try and eat your own hand, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it can be terrifying being in the audience. And it can also be incredible. I think, like, the times I'm the most joyful are when I'm watching something and I'm going, I, I don't think I wrote that. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> that just must be someone else. <laughs> I, I find it really interesting when you say, like, am, am I a writer if the writing's just for me? Yeah. Because it for me it almost falls into the same of like am I funny even if no one's laughing yeah do you know what I mean and it, it, I think is that from a really skewed perspective of I need the validation of other people to tell me that this thing that I'm doing is worth my but time like you're always looking through a prism yeah, and you're, and you're yeah. kind of experiencing life and that, that's got to be for you primarily yeah totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. if you make yourself laugh it's better you don't care yeah 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 interesting thing so do you know a comedian called Roscoe McClelland no, I don't. Oh, no, a, I do know Roscoe. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. great guy, Scottish guy, and we, we were in um, Adelaide together, and he'd do this thing that when he had 
because obviously we we had no you know fan base over there or audience over there. And if his show, if my show didn't sell any tickets, I'd just be like, oh, I can go for a drink. Mm. If his show didn't sell any tickets, he'd go in the room and he'd do it. What he'd call the other, it's unlocked the other show, which is him in the room with the lights turned to red, singing the words he knows to meet those bat out of, bat out, bat out of hell album. <laughs> And like he'd be checking his ticket sales, he's like, "Oh, I might get to do that for sure." But we all thought, "Oh, yeah, he's not actually doing it." And yeah. then we we like snuck in, and I tell you what, he was in that room by himself. He was a plumber from Glasgow, like just just singing, you know, but out of hell in an empty room. And it, might, but it was like he did, I don't know if he meant it to be this, but it was it was genius. It was like, is who is this for? Who, who is the art for? It's for he was it was brilliant. It was quite. I was, I, I, when I sat in the audience, I was, I was genuinely emotional yeah. watching this yeah. plumber from Glasgow doing it. He's being really true to himself. Totally, yeah. and that's what he's got. That he's a special guy. Is and that's yeah. that's kind of what he's got. Yeah, he's wicked. That's fantastic. I love that story. Yeah, I mean, financially, absolutely crippling, but <laughs> <laughs> he had a good time. But he had the catharsis. <laughs> yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Have you um, have you worked bigger than a book in terms of in that space? I was just thinking about Work. like a, a, pa- a page yeah. of um, text or something that was the size of a building. One of the because I used my studio used to be in Cornwall. I mean, in London, my studio used to, used to be like a shared desk mm. in a tiny room <laughs> where you could like touch the walls. But um, my first studio in Cornwall was an old shop space, which is quite narrow, um, but lovely. Um, and then when I first moved to this warehouse, one of my friends visited and he was like, wow, I can't wait to see what size of stuff you're going to do in here. And I was like, probably probably just the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have, I've made like large bo- sort of archival boxes and things. Like mm. that's, that's, I've been like crawling on tables, making things work. Yeah. But I, generally speaking, and it might be because of my preferred tiny little brush, my drawings are often quite small. Mm. Just in a little corner. And, and how, how many of those things will you abandon? I mean, you spoke, you spoke, you spoke about notebooks and writing half an idea down. <laughs> yeah. By the time it gets to to paper or canvas, is it is that something you're going to finish once you get to that point, or, or can that? Mm, yeah, I, I, I do like. I'm a bit of a completionist. I do like to finish a thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, but in terms of like a, dra- a draft of something, yeah. There might be many yeah. discarded attempts. And then when you had a shop space, will that go to front of house and people can come and... I, I treated the, it was an old... It like had big glass windows yeah. and it was an old shop, but it was very much an artist studio. Right. Mm. What was lovely about it was I kind of accumulated all the things I liked and then it was really visible. So people would come oh. in and be like, would you like this old printing press occasionally or, yeah. or this old type or oh my old family member used to be in bookbinding and or <clears throat> there was something really I, I kind of had to not be as messy yeah because mm. everyone could see you account all <laughs> because of the big windows yeah. yeah and then that made me kind of like constantly <laughs> curate what I was doing yeah um, and when I left the studio I'd be like right let's leave the good bits of work yeah visible because even that becomes yeah that that is it's an advertisement for yourself. Yeah. And yeah. So that is, that is a piece. That is a yeah. piece in its own right, isn't it? Is what people can see through that yeah. window. Yeah. And when you come into work the next day, you, you're confronted with like a good, the good version, the good edit. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's a good and way so it was, to see it. It was, it was quite sort of like a, a, a buoyant exercise. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a YouTuber that I 
really enjoy called Casey Neistat. I don't know if you've seen him. There's a video that he does, and it's called um, the the chaotic art of the workshop, and it's just this really brilliant explanation of why everything is where it is in his workshop, and it's basically this video, almost like a love letter to the workshop in in the sense that it the workshop itself is the art. And yeah. do you really feel that in your in your space? Sometimes I, I come to work and I, I look at the staircase that I painted yellow and the mm. red bench and the, the chaos and I think, yeah, this is part of it. And sometimes I come in and I go, God, this is a chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so messy. Did you ever watch, because I think, um, I suppose it, the word would be, people... The word to describe it's probably pretentious what I'm describing. But do, do, do you ever? It's hard to talk to me without that sort of coming up. I'm yeah. quite pretentious. Yeah, but do, you, like, but do you ever do things? So, like for example, I used to when I used to write stand up, I used to get a a lovely moleskin notebook, mm. and I'd have to sit with a little cup of coffee doing it, and I'd just look at myself like, "What? Pre- you don't need to do that. Yeah. Just type it in your phone yeah. and go and say it." <laughs> do you ever catch yourself being like, "Oh, you're being an artist here." A twee. Ever? Yeah, do you ever watch yourself and thinking, oh, that Sometimes, is a bit... instead of a handbag, I carry a little basket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so twee. Yeah. And I have to lean into it. I tried mm. to resist it. Yeah. But um, I, I do also sort of think, like, the, the stuffness, you know, like the yeah. moleskin notebook. Yeah. Like, it's cool, and it? Getting up and going down to your studio. And also, I can Falmouth. tell the difference. I work with Tim Key when he's writing poems. Yeah. I can tell the difference between ones he's written on his phone and one he's written in his notebook because of mm. the line length. Oh, so, like, if you think about the size of the sheet of paper, yeah. that's going to dictate how you sort of pour out the word, yeah. with, especially with something like poetry. Yeah, and then with your phone, it's going to be slightly different. So, it, what you work on has an effect. So, I think we all kind of like naturally think in A four. Yeah, it's so ubiquitous. Yeah, and then if you think of a journalist notepad, it's like a little flip. And then, yeah. like, how how, how in depth do they want that? take to be if it's that so it's quite pretentious but I think it is, <laughs> it is a good point <laughs> just on that note of um, working with Tim and uh, being able to tell the difference between if he's written something on, on paper or, or yeah. on the phone in in the mediums that you work in do, do you think that the physical book is starting to be phased out and replaced by the you know people Hush watching your mouth well I'm asking you a difficult <laughs> question I, I, and the reason I'm asking it are is you saying I no longer need to exist no, I'm not I'm not saying that at all I I'm, uh, would like you to speak about why it's so important for us to still value the importance of, of physical things yeah and and you're and you're right mm. and there, I, I'm I'm not unaware of kind of the environmental impact of things that you do if you're making paper yeah. and it's you've got to be kind of sure that you're not wasting something mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but I, I i think that what you what you start to do is instead of just being here's the information in the paper and now it is disseminated yeah. you go well i can disseminate this really easily by going clicking publish on your website mm-hmm why am I doing it like this? And so then you're just more thoughtful. Mm. You make more considered decisions. Mm. You think about the material choices. Like I, I always try and make <clears throat> as ethical as possible decisions in terms of paper. And I work with the printers that I think are really um, <clears throat> brilliant and do, do the same thing. And I, so I'm, I'm thinking much more about that because we all care a yeah. lot more about, about what we're using yeah. in terms of our material choices. Well, have you, is, there a, is there a pinnacle, Emily, for you? Is there anything you haven't achieved yet in your career or would like to make you haven't made or a big kind of... I mean, there's a lot of it. I think we're always like striving to do something that we're proud of, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a actually looking for an exit route as well. From, <laughs> I'm looking to get retired early. Because you feel like the outlier on your street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of want to be I want to be making bird boxes with, a, with Brian. <laughs> I can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've been I made like a five year plan when I started the studio mm. and I magically have achieved these things mm. so I, I sort of need I want to sit down again and, and think about it a bit more yeah. yeah have you ever had a project which is like years in the making like yeah and, oh and, yeah and did you get that finished and did you did you but what was your emotional journey with that? Did you ever get fed up with it, thinking, "Oh, fuck this"? I'm just um, actually, I, 
I've I'm still making something that I've mm. been making for years. Wow. So I, it's not finished yet. It's not one of them bloody things out the magazine where you, the first one's 99p and then the next. <laughs> yeah, and then they're so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I've just the been Titan. trying to like make it yeah. out of. <laughs> yeah. But you've been working on something for you. And how, and how close is that? Is that? Oh, God. I, I keep making it more and more complicated. Hmm. So it's a, it's a piece of writing that I did that I then set in type. And it was quite long. So it took me a long time to set it in type. Hmm. Quite little letters. Then it sat in a tray with me not printing it. And it took a friend of mine visiting going <clears throat> and we were doing some printing for her. And then she was like, can we do something of yours? Because I've been using like your time and I want to make it collaborative. And I was like, well, I guess we could print that. So we did. I printed an edition. But now I've decided that I want it to go alongside an illustration. Yeah. And now I've done a few roughs of what that illustration is. <laughs> and, but I haven't, I haven't done it yet. And then I want to screen print that. So I, I'm just sort of like, I wonder if it's quite nice to have an unfinished thing. Mm, yeah. Because you can like walk into it and it's there's no pressure. Uh, yeah. yeah. I wonder also because, you know, it's such, um, the arts, it's so hard to, you, while you, whilst you've got a project, you're always officially an artist, aren't you? Well, Is that true? Well, I don't know. That's, that's what I think. If I've got something, <laughs> if I've got something I'm working on forever. Yeah. I'm, I'm an art. Are you an artist? Because I've always found it really hard to say. Like people go, "What do you do?" And I and I and I sort of freeze. And I'm like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know. What am I? I'm not sure." And that, artist is the right word, but it's difficult to say. But you're saying, and I'm going to take that. <laughs> yeah. Whatever I've got a project, I am one. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's great. So I'll never fit. So that will be eternal. Then this piece of writing. I mean, yeah. I mean, get it finished if you can. No, right? no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> no. I find this it's dead interesting. I don't know how you found this kind of this mm. this, this chat, but. I don't know if it's because you do what you do. It's felt quite a visual chat, if that makes sense. I, I can kind of picture, I'm, I'm seeing yeah. your studio, I'm seeing so I'm your printing. Exactly the same. Yeah. I don't know. I've never, you know, when you're describing the big the big windows of the, one of the previous studios, I, yeah. I can really see it. Can, are you the same? Yeah. I don't yeah, know it's why. It's just a really amazing, like, yeah, visual conversation, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm sure we've captured yeah. that on these two iPhones. We've <laughs> do you do you think um, part of having that unfinished project is because it's sometimes it is just really nice, isn't it, to just not ever have to fully commit to something? I, 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 yeah. There's a, there's a tension here. I want mm. to agree with you and say yes. Yeah. And and you can you keep something open. Yeah. Because then. It can change, yeah, and it can be something else. And I think mm. there's a little bit of it that's fear. Yeah. There's a little bit of it that it, you're nervous, mm. and you. I, I spend time working with other people, getting their ideas out there, yeah. and that's really satisfying. But when it's your own work, you you're there. Is, there is this like reticence. Mm. I have another project actually, which I've been working on, for yeah. years, which is a tiny little book. I really want to do an edition of it, and it's it's about. I used to be briefly. A magician's assistant, oh, and wow. it's um, kind of about one of the tricks. Yeah, and I, I, I like it, but I'm I'm scared. Mm. It's not it's not just, and I and and I might say it's because I want to resolve it better. Yeah. I think I could have better end paper design or something. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's a it's a bit of kind of like have the chutzpah mm. yeah. to actually show people. And, and what what's worst case scenario as an artist, you put yourself out there. So as obviously as a, as a stand-up, it be everybody thinks it's not funny, and and I guess you get that, that kind of instantly. Yeah, but as, as an artist, what's the worst feedback you you can have? Just um, it, that is such a good question because I mean people don't like it, so what? It doesn't matter. Does yeah, it? but in, in what way do they not? Because they're not you know sometimes stand if something isn't funny, people it's not just that they don't find it funny that they're, they're angered at the audacity that this person <laughs> thought this was funny. <laughs> Um, really can you feel that oh you yeah it's like it? i can't believe you yeah. um I, but yeah i wonder i, I wonder um because obviously there's reviewers and, and critics yeah. and oh yeah i had a bad review of a play once and it destroyed me yeah interesting I, I, that is, isn't it because it it's like oh well I'll, ne I'll never write again then it it, 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 it definitely like yeah. affected me yeah it's um it's, it's a weird feeling because even though no, you can be as logical as you want about it but it's your thing that you've exposed yourself and yeah. this this person, whether they know 
what the no or not. And it's just one person. Yeah, yeah. but and it like still you feels... You obviously are never going to appeal to yeah. all people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in stand-up, you've got, like, hack lines. Josh, what's a good example of a hack line? In... Uh, so somebody will be talking loud in the audience. Where did you guys learn to whisper in a helicopter? Fine. I would yeah. say that's a hack line. I think that's good stuff. I think that's good material. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything in a similar sense in like book binding or illustration where you go, oh, that, they, they've done that and they're just getting away with doing that? But There's definitely trends. Yeah. And you can definitely see kind of like something happen. Mm. And I think you, you don't ever want to be in that thing when it's happening. You, yeah. you either want to be just at the beginning of it. And then be like, I was doing Rhizo before everyone else. <laughs> um, but I, d- I don't know if you can if you can justify something, mm. a decision, most always. I mean, maybe maybe certain typefaces might become sort of hackneyed. Is there a piece of art from from popular culture or secret art? Maybe it's a logo. You think, oh, that's a cool. I do like that. That's taken me. That's good, actually. I mean, like lo- loads. Yeah, there's loads. That's hard. Um, there's a book by uh, Johanna Drucker called "The Form of the Book," which is like an essay on on why books are good and design and why it matters. And she's written this essay in a designed way, so like typographically in the layout in the decisions, mm. and it's so perfect. I, I think that's probably Amazing. hold this up as a, a kind of a perfect thing. Awesome. I love that. Trust the big one? Yeah. Uh, who's your cult hero? It's, it's such a tough it's such a tough question. It's <laughs> inspired many, many long car journey debates with many different people. I think um, that's the brilliant way to approach that question as well. You just keep asking people, other people. Yeah. 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 And it's great because you, yeah. you get these little windows into your friends and you're mm. like, oh, of course. Yeah. Of course I always, my friend used to say this about everything, like the worst song would come on. He'd be like, this, is, this will be somebody's favourite song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's quite nice if everything's somebody's favourite something. Yeah. It just shows how big friend. the world is. Yeah. The world's so big, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they must have a big heart. I like that. Uh, this was actually um, Riding Dirty, uh, Chimilina. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, yeah, is, is there anybody kind of. <laughs> <laughs> if, is, is there anybody Emily who would say they're there's somebody that they, they that that's one person that you could really pick out so I, I I'm perhaps absolutely like a kaleidoscope of many many different possibilities hmm. and then like two weeks ago I saw this lecture on an artist called Marlo Moss and I've decided that she's my uh, cult hero because um, <clears throat> she's sort of very difficult to pin down very intriguing mm. um i drew a lot of like beautiful geometric drawings which i'm really attracted to i think they're just like aesthetically really pleasing and she <clears throat> absorbed a lot of mathematics so she does these compositions which are completely sort of calculated and all of the original sketches for the paintings have these like very detailed numbers that come from theoretical maths and then she's trans like exposed that into yeah. these paintings and then she asks you when you look at them to think of them as music and i and i love that wow. as well like the idea of composition yeah. and like how, how it sounds to look at the painting mm. that's stimulating so many different things yeah. in your brain isn't it i love that that like combination of different things all coming and into i think together. that's again that's why i'm sort of like attracted to her is that, she, mm. that you can't Although her work is very clear and very identifiable, you yeah. would be able to see this complete through line. It's, yeah, it's like coming from all these different places. It's interesting, isn't it, with, with art. So we had, we had Bobby Siegel on, who is like a, he's a math teacher, but he's like a math expert. And he speaks about people's first experiences of, of math being not massively positive and it puts them off. And I think if my generation, how, how we learned about art, it was, you are the good at, Drawing, or you're yeah. not good at drawing, mm. or you try and make something off the telly art attack. Yeah, yeah. So, this is me being serious. Yeah, 
And then you, you don't think of art as, like I said, a DIY element and the practical making things with yeah. your hands element. Kind of our, you know, the, the paradigm of what we think art is, is so so small. Yeah. But actually it's, once kids know it's actually any, anything, yeah. anything you can think of and yeah. make, it just blows it open for you, doesn't it? Totally. I remember thinking, uh, my dad's a carpenter. I remember coming home once and he'd brought back something that he had he had created in a workshop and I didn't realise that, it, I think it was just, um, you know, like the stairway beams. I don't know what you, oh, what yeah. do they call The banister. Banister, that's yeah. it, banister. And it, I, I, I just thought he just made big things, not that, you know, big tables yeah. or big doors. Yeah. And yeah. he come and he go, oh yeah, this is just something we just, uh, we didn't, you know, off the yeah. or something. My, um, I was like, that's, that's that art, looks really nice. And there's loads of people <laughs> doing this. Like my, um, my dad's got a book of tattoos. He's into tattoos, isn't he? Yeah. Obviously, he's got tattoos, but he he drew them all. Oh, wow. I had no idea <gasps> wow. he could draw. Mm. It's And it, it's, it's, it's mad, isn't it? Really, what people... Um, and tattooing is like an incredible skill. Yeah, I mean... Draw, got, you're drawing yeah. on a person. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I've, I had one tattoo a week ago, so I'm an expert in the field. <laughs> but they are, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, inc- it's incredible. It's like people will express themselves if you leave them to it. Yeah. Because it's kind of, it's entertain. it's almost like the purest form of entertainment mm. is to do, just to make something. You know, if you, if you had like a, if you took that wrapper off instinctively while we're talking, you'd make it into a little thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, like, it's just so pure, isn't it? Just to make something like that. Mm. And that's what you're doing oh, for your job. Amazing. Yeah. Emily, Juniper, thank you so much. That was so interested. And so, yeah, you're great to chat to. Thank oh, you so much for doing it. Thank you for having me. Wow. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, what a great person, man. She's, um, I've never met an artist before in real life. Yeah. And I found her so interesting. Yeah. And so cool, and just don't know, just made me want to live my life better, do more things for me. We we end up saying it with every guest and every week, but we are really so lucky with the people that we get and and the and the conversations we get to have with them because they are so different, and people's life experiences do obviously differ from from everyone. We yeah, to. yeah. So you know, so somebody, you know, if I didn't do this, I, I never would have probably crossed paths with. Emily Juniper. Yeah. And credit to Joe, producer Joe, for introducing us to her work, yeah. to her, and for, for Emily for coming and doing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone that's carrying on a, a, a traditional, you know, art, I guess, as well. Yeah. You know, that's so important to the in, in any industry, isn't it? If people have a skill and they, they're willing to pass it down and keep that alive. You know, without people like Emily, that that just doesn't happen. No, exactly. It's not people that can do uh, thatch roofs. Yeah, we should get one of them guys on. <laughs> not not loads of questions you can ask any about them. Uh, but no, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we've had some nice reviews, kind of. Haven't we? we had some lovely reviews on the uh, yeah on the podcast. People have been messaging privately, which we are grateful of. But ultimately, in terms of the algorithm, that, that does nothing. Yeah, I mean, do it on. Yeah, if we could. Thank you for typing those things, but mm. type it into iTunes ideally yeah. iTunes review hit five stars yeah five stars always helps and also reach out if you know if there's any guests you think we could get or you'd, you'd like to hear from you know in, engage with us yeah get us on Twitter all, all the socials at cult heroes pod um, you can email us at josh pews cult heroes at gmail.com yeah amazing and we're, we'll, we'll be back next week kind of with another great guest another great episode yeah I've just seen as well you remember last week we mentioned about the tea table that we're going to... Yes. Um, I've just seen Emily's drawing. Of, and yeah. it, it, that alone is worth getting your eyes on it. Yeah. It's almost a shame that it's going to be used to wipe ketchup off the toddler's <laughs> face, isn't it? But it's... Um, yeah, it's wicked. She's yeah. proper. She's proper, mate. Great. Awesome. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.